Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. I'm Robert Ellis. Uh, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm sitting in my dingy office at uh, the bar music venue that I own here. Putting out a new record in May. I think that's why we're talking. Gene, I don't have an answer. Don't even know what to say in between. A sunny day and a nightmare You might realize what it means to try Yeah, you have kids. I now have a one-year-old, yes. So I wake up at 5 a.m., and right now it's noon, so I've lived like four lifetimes. (laughs) (laughs) So much fucking shit today. Everything went wrong. My truck was acting all funny. It's just everything was kind of fucked up today. And then I got home, like, just in time to hop on with you. And I was like, hey, Erica, I'm going to do an interview. She's like, I have this really important work call. And she's like, the Wi-Fi is already acting funny. She's like, can you not do it? <laughs> she, the baby got our bedroom, and we got the uh, music room, I don't know, sunken den rumpus room. <laughs> So now, so now, like our bedroom is also like the recording area is also like where the piano and guitars are is also where the podcast area is. We all, you know, it's like <laughs> as of late, um, I've been doing as little as humanly possible to advance my uh, what I call my vanity career, um, making <laughs> <laughs> making my own music and touring under my name, and you know, doing like like that kind of shit. Um, I've I've been I've been doing the bare minimum to uh to make sure that people still hear my music the kind of sentence that every management company and agency (laughs) loves to hear i started my own record label so i'm the boss of me um and so that's nice i can't really get mad at anyone but myself um you know children like having dads around i've heard yeah i don't know from experience but (laughs) I, i think they do i mean my kids seem to like it and it's clear as the sun is getting hazy But there's nothing you can do You can't keep the night from falling And when I look at you now I know it's true Darkness frightens even me. Sometimes you have to confront that darkness and that silence head on so you cannot fear it any longer. You're listening to the show on the road, if you don't know already, and uh, Robert Ellis, he's back. The Pride of Lake Jackson, Texas, uh, has a new record. It's called Yesterday's News that, uh, as a delirious new dad myself, Man, it really hit me right where it hurts. When I first caught up with Robert on our 2018 episode, we were both crisscrossing Europe. He was wearing a sweat-stained white tux, leaping across the stage from keyboard to guitar and leading the audience like they were in a circus with a ringleader's fire. Now, at first, I mourned the loss of this mischievous Texas piano man who no longer plays a single note of piano on this new record. And then I listened a third and fourth time. And in my delirium as a new dad, I could see him pacing back and forth in that moonlit hallway, hoping, praying that his little one would go to sleep so he could fade into dreams himself. And honestly, this record, Yesterday's News, has hit me at a particularly vulnerable time. I, as a songwriter, as a performer, am questioning whether I can keep doing this life and be a father and be a husband and be responsible. And as Robert and I discuss at length in this talk, sometimes you have to confront the idea that, well, 
the world may not need your stories. Maybe you need to write and create the things that you want to create first. After talking to Robert, I realized that I hadn't asked a pivotal question to myself in a long time. What is it that you actually want? What is it that you want to create? Maybe it doesn't have to set the world on fire or make you famous or make you rich. Maybe you can just tell the stories that lift you up, that make your daughter laugh, that make a few friends around you a little happier than they were before. Putting your ego and your ambition and your hopes and dreams aside, man, it's tough sometimes. But maybe admitting that your yesterday's news is kind of a relief. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here on this sonic journey with me. Uh, my group Patio Club will be playing Hotel Cafe LA on June 3rd. And uh, I'm going to hand it off now to Robert Ellis. Gene, I don't have all the answers. Don't even know what to say Making a record, touring it, like it's like an 18 month cycle of pain that as far as I can tell is not making music like the making music part happens at the beginning and then yeah you get to play for 45 minutes a day or whatever on tour but like you're not creating things um and I'm just I don't know it's not where I want to be anymore so um I decided to start my own record label and um just kind of start doing things that I want to do instead of things that I have to do and you know, figure out other creative pursuits. Like I have this bar now and I have, um, I'm in this building, which is a beautiful old building. And just adjacent to the bar is a recording studio that I produce records out of um, called Nile City Sound. So in the same building, we have a studio in the bar and, um, you know, I, I fly out for little weekend shows um, every once in a while. And I raise my children, you know, try to be home as much as possible for my family. Your mom taught piano when you were a kid right yeah i was like i don't i don't remember a time where i wasn't playing well for the folks who first discovered you like i did uh through the texas piano man record which is i think one of the best records of the last 10 years personally um my wife is always annoyed every time we open a topo chico even if it's in the middle of a party I just start going, Topo Chico and Lima. <laughs> full voice. Yeah. Life just Good. feels kind of flat without it. Topo Chico and Lime. Topo Chico and Lime. Well, I'll be just fine with Topo Chico and Lime. They might be shocked, appalled, but also very interested to know that your new record, Yesterday's News, features a total of zero piano. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's almost like a jazz guitar lullaby odyssey. Yeah, Um, it's it's decidedly less less fun than Texas Piano Man. (laughs) As a sleep-deprived dad myself, really really hit me nicely right where it hurts i think there's some really nice um again you don't have to be loud to be hard hitting you know you don't have to be raucous to be deeply moving a lot of us i think who've been trying to reconcile the fact that this huge pandemic and all these things stopped a lot of momentum for any sort of vanity career like you mentioned trying desperately to get people to listen to our stories and our music, my worldview. Um, It's like the universe kind of slapped you back down for a few years there. You have to sort of realize that maybe the universe doesn't want to hear what you want to say. Yeah. And so you have to kind of make music wherever that lives. Because I think regardless of your feeling that you're maybe yesterday's news, you're always going to be creating something. There is 
an irony to this record, obviously, where you're re- sort of releasing that ambition, but also being like, yeah, but listen to this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like how you, I, I don't know, how you contextualize it for yourself. Like, I, I'm sorry, my office phone is ringing. I don't even know how to turn this thing off. It's how you contextualize that stuff for yourself that matters. Um, and and it, at least like creatively, that was a really important thing for me over the past few years to just try and like remember why it is that I like to do this and right. what it is that I like about making music and like do it for that reason only, you know, <laughs> like to try and like, I don't know, just reclaim some ownership, like, um, not to disparage anyone in particular, but I do feel like we live in this world, music business world, and kind of society writ large, where you are judged by your uh, accomplishments, achievements, um, success level. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the the conversation, like, "Oh, so and so is here again." You know, last time they were here, they played the Troubadour, but this time they're playing at some smaller venue like oh, you know, like, <laughs> like this fucking like just constant yeah illusion of progress and like need to have your career go in this direction and like look a certain way and i you know just the whole fucking thing is stupid to me like i'm and i'm sick of trying to every record everybody around you tells you that this record is going to be the one that changes things this is going to be the different one like this one's really great. It's gonna break through. This is the one yeah. where you're gonna do SNL. And this, you know yeah. what I mean? I just feel like that voice is insidious and like starts to live inside your head and subconsciously inform your decisions in regards to artwork. You know, like in regards right. to the things you make. Like without even knowing it, you start to try and make sure that you've got at least one song that feels like a single and that that the record's at a certain volume and a certain excitement level. And like, Mm -hmm. you want shit that you'll be able to play for someone and have them go, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And like, part of this whole record for me and this phase of my life is just, I don't know, just like sort of intentionally being like, no, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna play that fucking game. I just wanna make music that I think is cool and release it out into the world and it'll find its place hopefully but if it does it's not going to be because it was loud or exciting or you know like uh, a singable summer hook right <laughs> you know like that kind of shit I gave it a go and shot for the moon Yesterday's news Well, I think the idea of being yesterday's news, there's a mourning, right? Because like you're saying, I you know, I shot for the moon. You know, I really gave it a go. I went for it. And um, I'm going to be in that place where I'm just sort of out of your mind, right? And it's a place I know very well because that's where pretty much everyone lives, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's it like nobody is thinking about Robert Ellis most of the time, but there was a moment where it felt like everyone was. Yeah. And now I have to embrace that maybe that quiet place where you are going to be most of your life is an okay place to be, you know? And that's a really hard thing to do. I think there's moments throughout this record where there's that fear of silence, right? The fear of no applause, no response. 
And bl believe me, I'm with you on that sort of uh, humiliation or uh, trepidation of like, why aren't you selling more tickets than you did before? Why? Yeah. You know, it's like you get these questions from your management, your agency, your fans, you know, why are you playing this smaller venue? Why aren't you being played on the bigger radio station? You know, it can feel obviously like the universe or your fan base or people are forsaking you, are rejecting what you're doing. How are you going to play these live? Like, do you have a plan of, of how this sort of will be rolled out? I mean, obviously, when you record it, it's mostly you and upright bass and maybe, well, we got some some uh, spiritual little yeah. bells, you know? <laughs> spiritual percussion, yeah. Um, well, we're booking a handful of, like, weekend dates through the late summer and fall, and they're mostly going to be in listening rooms, and I'm playing some jazz clubs. Uh, cool. across the country like places that wouldn't normally have artists like us um and i've just been kind of like reaching out and being like can we do a ticketed show in here and like i, yeah. I don't know that's kind of where i want to live is in that zone of like you, you know I, I just think i'm gonna have for the rest of my career an audience they're not necessarily going to be huge you know what i mean um right and i'm really psyched about that because it's like just getting the exact people in a room that I want to hang with. You know, yeah. like, that's kind of the vibe. When you feel in the mood You'll know where to find Yesterday's news Well, I think there was like, and sometimes the, yeah, the shows that you don't expect to be full of energy often are the ones that are the best of the tour. I mean, we did a, a show at this place, Ramshead on stage in Annapolis, Maryland, which would probably be a great place for you to go. Yeah, that place, yeah. um, you know, sits maybe 250, but you know, yeah. maybe 150 will feel packed. And the only show that they had available which we needed to fill was a saturday 1 p.m show <laughs> i love that and i was like why would what okay you know because this other show in new york fell through it was like all right let's do this they're gonna pay our same rate okay yeah. i have some friends in dc whose families will come up and it'll be like a family show now we're playing pretty rocking seven piece soul funk rock and roll in with some folk harmony stuff in there, but like feels a little jarring for a 1 p.m. show, maybe. Yeah, totally. But like that show, I think, was my favorite of the run because people were so dialed in. They were so um, excited that they could actually see a show when they wanted to go to a show. Most people, you know, especially older folks, they don't want to go out at 9, 10 p.m. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally. there was kids dancing in the aisles. You know, it was a really fun uh experience and i think sometimes playing even if it's a small audience but if the audience is really there for you and really listening it's it's the most rewarding thing possible and i think you know an opening song like gene like you have on your record i mean you have to really pay attention it's like you know you're telling a short story basically i mean these lyrics that um were sent over to me are not in lyric form they're like it's like an essay or something you know <laughs> yeah totally um, you know and and again you have that anxiety of sort of that darkness that emptiness that is scaring you that you have to face you know it feels like maybe you're talking to one of your children or you know yeah. there's this dialogue i think between you and maybe almost like a version of yourself in in the future um tell me a little bit about that opening track because it really was moving for me thank you it was it was written to or for my oldest son um and like yeah definitely i'm talking to myself a little bit which you probably you will experience and probably have already experienced but as your kid gets older and you start like teaching them things telling them things like right you realize that all the shit you're saying is good advice. And like, I don't know, there, there's something about being a parent that really forces you to like look at yourself in the mirror and really 
like it's difficult for me to tell my my kids to like be zen and live in the moment and like do everything with intention and passion if i'm not doing it you know what i mean like yeah i don't just it forces you to like you kind of wake up and then on the flip side of that from the day they're fucking born you start to see the world through their eyes as a brand new person which Mm -hmm. is just the most remarkable thing on the planet you know like seeing them see a fucking dog for the first time you know like interact with a puppy you're just like i mean i personally get into a pretty uh stodgy sort of like disgruntled state especially when i'm working a lot i tend to be pretty neurotic and like you know things kind of irritate me um and i just don't feel like when i'm with my kids that's acceptable and it kind of forces me to be in this other state right like experiencing the world as this really exciting, beautiful place. Um, right. And so anyway, that, that song is kind of written, um, you know, for my oldest son. And it is directly about just this idea that I don't think when he was born, he had anxiety. I don't think that any of us are born with anxiety. I think, yeah, we like cry when we're hungry or when we have to shit or whatever, like, we cry when something is wrong, but in general, anxiety is something that I feel like we, we teach them. We teach them to worry about what is going to happen next Tuesday. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's just something that it comes later. Um, and so to me, that was, the song was kind of like just a way of saying something that I don't feel like I heard enough as a kid, which is that like things are very scary and they are I am anxious and like, it's okay to feel those things. And the person that you look up to and think is okay is actually dealing with the exact same shit that you're dealing with. Um, Right. But you know, there's also the last, the last chorus of that tune has a turn in it um, that I think for me speaks to just like the motivation, like uh, the justification for why any of us in this fucked up, insane world with a lot of anxiety and and turmoil in it would still want to have children um Mm -hmm. last course you know it says like they'll say you can't hold up the world when there's no ground below you but they don't know you like just this idea that i think that it's something that can be overcome and Mm. that it's possible that our children could fix this whole broken thing you know what i mean like yeah just just to like encourage him to look at the world every day as an opportunity to like find beauty and to make it something better. Put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. The darkness frightens cause it's hard to see Your stomach tight It's hard to breathe They'll say you can't hold up the world When there's no ground below you But they don't know you Yeah, well, I think the thing that kids... I mean, I only have one... Yeah, and that'll be it. Um, but I think that what children give you is even in your darkest moment, it's like you could not imagine yourself loving anything more than this little creature. Like we got this dog during the pandemic and she's a adopted pit bull mix who's really sweet to us, but kind of a dick to everyone else. Um, and I just remember having this feeling like I don't, know that I could love another creature more than I love this dog. And then the baby, (laughs) like, and then the baby came and I was like, all right, I think, I think now I love this baby, like almost dangerously much, you know? Yeah, totally. I I mean, I don't, not to be shitty, but like, I kind of felt the same way. Then you have a kid and you're like, yeah, fuck that dog. (laughs) If it came down to it, I would totally just fuck, I mean, fuck that dog forever. It's like such a, it's a different feeling. I don't know how to explain it. Well, it's, I think, again, like 
having more love in the world is probably the reason you have kids, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they become uh, cool, helpful people and not sociopaths, you know, but we'll never know until it happens. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah you, don't, you don't have any idea, but I do feel every day like there is an opportunity to just like, I don't know, try and do more than, uh, I, I had a really great childhood in a lot of ways and my mother was fantastic, you know, and like I loved her dearly. But there were just a lot of things growing up, one, indoctrinated into religion, and two, mm. a very sort of conservative Southern community. I just, I now, after years of fucking working on it, am starting to get to this place where I feel pretty good most of the time. And I'm just like, God, I wish, I hope that Buddy can just start there. <laughs> like, what if, what if I had started there when I was like, 14 instead of having to wait till I was fucking 30 to start living my life in this way that wasn't overcome with anxiety and guilt. And you know, like, it's, it's always hard to know where the balance lies because if you are, you know, overly fawning and yeah. supportive of your kids, sometimes they don't feel like they can do anything on their own or something, you know? Uh, whereas you had to rebel against a, a lot of forces um but you also had enough confidence in yourself that i mean you basically dropped out of high school to, to go make music you know and that's yeah. a pretty bold step that many parents would not be okay with you know you, you start pressing vinyl you know when you're what 18 it's a pretty bold move yeah. is there something you would love uh, to tell your young artist self now like if you could whisper back in time i was i think i was really fortunate like I've always had this sense that whatever it is I want to do, that's what I should be doing. And I don't mean it like in a, an abstract way. I mean, like, whatever it is that you want to do, do it right now. Like, don't wait to do X and X and X, and then I'll do the thing I want to do. I, I just had this sense from the time I was really young that, like, going to college and working on a backup plan and making sure that I was financially stable would eventually lead me to playing music, which was the thing I actually wanted to do. Like, that's what everyone tells you. You know, everyone says like, oh, if you want to do that, here are the other things you need to do. And it's like, I just, I don't believe that. Um, but I do wish in my early 20s, I had known every single record that comes out, you feel like things are going to be a lot bigger than they end up being. And it's, <laughs> like we were saying earlier, it's like, it's difficult to not see each little step as like, oh, well, that one didn't quite hit the way I thought it would. You know, it didn't quite do what I thought it would. But if you zoom out over 15 years and over, you know, a handful of records, like I'm in a really good place now. It was all cumulative, you know, like it mm. all built together to kind of create this situation where now I can fly anywhere in the fucking world and go play to a room full of people. Like that is mm -hmm. a really, really fortunate place to be in. And right. I just, you know, there were just times um, where I was really down on myself, you know, on the fourth yeah. week of tour in fucking Omaha or something uh -huh. thing where the show was just like dismal and you just are like, what am I doing with my life? And I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that any one of those things on their own, they don't mean a lot, but when you add them up all together over 10, 15 years, you start to have this total picture of like, this This does work, you know? Um, well, you put the time in for a reason, right? I mean, it's not um, glorious for all of it, if not even half of it, you know? Uh, I'm glad that, yeah, Dust Bowl Revival played 180 days on the road for four or five years in a row then when I was, you know, yeah, totally. 28 or something. Yeah. Um, when I first interviewed you on this very podcast, I think it was, I want to say 2018, 2019, yeah. before uh, the world caterwauled into madness. Um, <laughs> you were in a, a pretty sweat-stained white tuxedo. We were backstage at a festival. We were both playing in Utrecht, and I could see that crazed glazed eyed look on your face of like all right we're a month into yeah. this very long run and you know your set at that point was an extremely 
physical endeavor yeah. you know yeah, totally. you're jumping back and forth between instruments you know you're almost like a circus ringleader um and it's funny because i i was like i wonder if i still have the notes from that interview and the the notes for uh i'm fucking crazy which the opening track of the record <laughs> i don't even know what these these notes mean but it, it almost feels like a haiku soft-spoken rage mental illness love <laughs> love a madness question mark <laughs> beatles backgrounds would fit in the movie joker question mark <laughs> <laughs> i'm fucking crazy you who know that it's true you knew it when you met me don't act like this is new stop myself from acting so insane screaming like an animal and rattling your cage uh i remember that interview well um partially because i had i i think i did like god we played that show and then i had i was doing like a little docket uh you know i think i did some other tapings that day and some other sort of print interview things and it was just back to back like you're saying and yeah. I was fully sort of glazed over and fucking drunk when we did <laughs> like, like a really good drunk and I remember afterwards like the next day waking up and being like oh, fuck what did I say I <laughs> you know like I hope that was okay um, well if folks want to listen to it it's uh the show on the road.com yeah. episodes it's there for anyone to discover who knows what he said i'll have to go back and listen to it i think yeah. i pressed on aliens i think i talked to you about it well Do you remember that it, it, it makes sense for uh the poster that's right behind you you know yeah, totally i'm kind of into i like aliens i don't know i mean i'm into it like in this like touristy way like i think it's a cool um, I don't think that aliens are visiting us right now, and I don't think we've ever come in contact with them, but I'm just interested, and I really like the X-Files, so I, I do, but I do remember us talking about music, and then I think at some point, I think I just changed the subject on a dime, and we went down sort of an alien wormhole for a minute. <laughs> as, as this podcast usually does, I mean, that's uh, usually how it goes. <laughs> We're fucking crazy. Yeah, our, our mandolin player who was with us for many years, uh, we might have met in Utrecht. His dad was one of the main editors of the X-Files. Whoa. He lives down the street from us, actually. That's but he, he so did, cool. like, many of the, the best episodes. I've seen uh, that show so, so many times because I am, for better or worse, my wife is not this way. Uh, many people I know are the exact opposite. But, like, when I fall asleep at night, I have to watch or listen to something. And generally mm. when I say watch, I mean, I put on headphones and I listen to the X-Files or... Oh, really? Yeah. Or I listen to music, like certain types of music, um, certain podcasts, but like, I generally like to fall asleep with something going on. Otherwise my mind just races and I, I keep myself up, spinning out. Um, so, but through this, you know, years long pursuit of finding content to fall asleep to, I've realized that tone and volume are super important. And like the X-Files mm -hmm. has a tone to it that, that is really easy to fall asleep to. So does Star Trek Next Generation. Um, mm. And then, you know, obviously music, um, for me, it can't be too loud. It can't be too exciting, but it also can't be too boring. 
like I wouldn't really listen to like ambient sounds to go to sleep because I would then start thinking and spinning out. So that's part of why I made this record the way I did. Is、mm. I kind of wanted it to be music that you could fall asleep, that I could fall asleep to. That is that right balance of like nothing really crazy happens. It's not too exciting, but also there's intrigue and there's enough to keep you moving through it. And it's just totally kind of one thing. You know? Well, those last two, the last two songs feel like almost a like you're imploring yourself or your children to just. Let go and go to sleep. To just、yeah. finally give up, holding on to all the stuff that you've seen throughout your entire life,、yeah. and just let go. You know,、yeah. and、uh, you know, especially when the kids are really little. There's those weeks where you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to sleep again. You know,、yeah. <laughs> and, and it's been so. Awesome! The last month or two, where our little JJ has done this thing now, where she doesn't want us to put her to bed.、Yeah. Like she'll basically point at her crib and be like, "Okay, I'm good." That's, that's and then, and it's amazing. But now my wife is like, "Remember when she kind of wanted us to like hold her for a while?" And now yeah, it's like, "Get out of my room." <laughs> and you said you don't want another kid, but、uh, I said the same thing a year into my first one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then fast forward a couple of years, and we were like, okay, one more, let's do one more, and then we were like, never again. That's the last one. And now Domino is almost two; he's a year and a half, and both of us are like, we might, maybe we could do one more. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of、uh, resources left in our yeah, planetary yeah. space. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, close your eyes. You could say is a lullaby,、um, but there's there's almost like a hint of anger, like behind, you know, it's like look, my only desire <laughs> for you to close your eyes, like the only thing I want in life is for you. It's like you could hear Samuel L. Jackson narrating, "Go to fuck to sleep." <laughs> What was that book he did? <laughs> This thing happens where you put the kid down, they go in the crib, they're quiet for a couple minutes, and then you're standing outside the door, and you're like, okay, they're asleep, and then they start fucking violently screaming. So you go back in, rinse, repeat, like for me, ten, ten, fifteen times, you know, over、right. and over, just trying to get them to chill. And I wrote "Close Your Eyes" on one of those, like walking out of the door, sitting outside the room with a guitar, and just kind of like waiting for them to cry again. You know,、mm-hmm. so you go back in and soothe, and it totally just kind of all came out at once. And I was like, "Oh, cool, a little lullaby."、Um, but then, as usual, like, yeah, it's kind of for me. All these tunes, just songs in general, like they have to start somewhere. You know, you have to have something where you're like, "Okay, this is what this song's about," and、mm-hmm. it's almost like a prompt that you give yourself, and you start writing. For me. That's not super interesting. So generally, like I'll start there. I'll start somewhere, and then things get more complex, and the song becomes about other things. You know, it becomes about dreams, or it becomes about like that song becomes about anxiety. You know, it's like yeah, it's a lullaby, but it begs the question: like, why do we need to be? Soothed to sleep. It's possible it's because the world is fucked up and wall to wall shit, and we need to like empty out our minds, let all that go before we can coast into the dream world. The hour is getting late. I know you're tired. My heart has one desire. You'd only, you'd only close your eyes. Do you remember your dreams typically, or are you?、Uh... A little more of a blank slate sleeper. 
I remember them for like the first five minutes when I wake up. And if I don't write it down or tell somebody, they're kind of in that temporary memory space. Um, sometimes I remember them, you know, um, like really vivid ones. But generally, I'll wake up and be like, well, that was weird. Um, I haven't seen my third grade teacher in a long time or whatever, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like those sort of things. And then that is immediately gone. And, you know, I don't think about it again ever. Um but I, yeah, my, my wife wakes up and she remembers her dreams as if they're like a short novel and she mm. will recount every detail vividly to me, whether I'm mm. it or not. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's just so interesting to me. That might be a skill that I just have not worked on. I have this weird pattern where I feel like if things are in that sort of repetitive rhythm where I'm not on the road and I'm just, you know, you get up around six 30, give the baby a bottle, you give her breakfast, you take out the dog, you know, put the baby down for her nap. You bring her to daycare, you, you know, clean up the house, do some stuff. It's like, you feel like your days are almost the same thing. Then all of a sudden my dreams become very vivid. It's like inserting an exciting movie because your regular (laughs) programming is, pretty average (laughs) you know i often wake up with this sensation that is like oh this like this is real like i open my eyes and i like look around and i remember my home and my name and my life and stuff and i'm like oh this this is the real one because they're so completely engrossing you know Mm. dream that it just like for that moment i you know you just have no concept of what reality is and then often that feeling lives with you for the rest of the the morning day where you're just like wait a minute is this the real one what <laughs> you know like <laughs> well that song that song on the run on the new record feels like again like you're you're always reaching out for some sort of meaning to make existence make sense and then there's really no meaning like you have to stop running to feel safe yeah there are stretches of west texas that don't even have a name we stopped and took the chance to gas up every time it came the scorching smell of summer vapor rising from the road strapped into a fuselage and waiting to explode Everyone out in this desert is just passing through or lost Dissipate into the atmosphere like smoke from the exhaust Keep your eyes on the horizon, back turned towards the wind At every highway's ending, find another one begins on the run in many ways, I think like we create music, we 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 form these sequences. Like, all right, we're gonna make a record, then we're gonna tell everybody about it, and then we're gonna go on TV if we can't. You know, it's like all these things that we do to like say, like, look, I'm important, and things have meaning. Again, I think what this record is sharing is that just because you create something that you think has meaning, it doesn't necessarily have any meaning. You know, yeah, and that's a hard truth to um, come to, but maybe. The only way to full peace is to realize that you're never going to find peace, maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I am not certain anything has any intrinsic meaning. Like, I, I think that things do have meaning. Like, you give them meaning. You know, you make... Right. You make the decision to, like, notice how beautiful it is outside and what a wonderful day it is and to spend it laying in the grass like you make that decision in a way uh to to see the meaning in things uh but i don't think that inherently there's any like real meaning to anything you know like i don't know how i struggle with i just don't know how there can be i i don't know what Mm. would make make it so that everything had some sort of linear meaning like um which i guess that's just how our brains work and you know i don't fault anybody for thinking that way you're born you grow up you have a successful career you die happy everyone comes to your funeral i don't just like and then you go to heaven like i don't know none of it makes any fucking sense to me like it seems like 
whatever is happening right this second is the thing that's happening. It's the thing that's always happening. It's the thing that was happening when we were born, and it's still the thing that's happening afterwards. Mm-hmm. And like, our concept of time is somehow fucked up. And that's why we view it in this linear way, you know. from an enemy who does not have a name running out of money but we must stay in the game running from the sinking feeling that this never ends from anything that's preordained or feeling like giving in yeah it's like if you stop running you're giving up and you're not trying and you're not going to be creating a meaningful life (laughs) right i mean it's it's like almost like capitalism in a way you know if you're not earning if you're not constantly bringing in something you are a failure you know, and that's something that I've been having to deal with. I think as a dad, as a, you know, I guess a husband or whatever, where you're like yeah. all this stuff that I've created, like you say in yesterday's news, like this almost fake empire. Yeah. Has it amounted to anything? You know, but I, I like, like I was trying to say earlier, and I don't think I articulated it well. It's just, I don't know, to me, it's just like making something prettier than you found it. You know, like right. making the world a little bit better than you found it. And like, yeah. to, like that is meaningful. You know, yeah. like that there's something to that, you know, like something right. that makes makes somebody genuinely surprised to be alive. You know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, Look, I've never heard this. I've never seen that. Like, that's what we're all looking for in music is like that feeling of like, fuck, this is cool. I yeah. didn't expect this. <laughs> at least where I'm at right now this record that you're putting out yesterday's news is something that feels unexpected and needed. Right. Um, there is a, a, a Zenness of just maybe just stop trying so fucking hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, well, and yeah. accept that maybe honestly, let maybe, yes, maybe your biggest boldest days are behind you that is a thing that like eventually you know in your late 30s going you know it's like you have to be like you know what remember that time we <laughs> we did that yeah. thing it that was great story. it's got to happen somewhere in the story you know what I mean? and you like, feel like you feel like no i still feel young and and capable I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, realize but, that like okay. these kids these people who are making new music now who they're like 20 years younger than you. And they're it's crazy. Awesome. They're yeah. awesome. Also, like there's uh, my mind is consistently blown at just like new music from 21-year-old people that yeah. something will come somebody'll send me something or like Spotify'll suggest something and on on its surface I want to hate it cuz I'm jealous. And yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. But man, there is some fucking incredible music coming out right now that is just kind of blowing my mind. And I'm like, this is great. This is what I want is more cool music. Like, why am I mad about this? This fucking rules. Yeah, it's funny. I, I have this radio show now on 88.5 uh, here in L.A. And, you know, it's an hour. So it's not like, you know, I have a million songs to pick from, but. I thought when I finally would have a show, which I've always wanted to have my own radio show. And I was like, well, you know, I I hate shows that play a bunch of obscure stuff that no one's ever going to find, which is exactly what I'm doing almost every, (laughs) every time. Like I'll play, I'll play some new stuff. Like, you know, I played yesterday's news and I played, you know, some various cool stuff that's coming out. But most of the things I'm playing are these things that are totally tickling some itch in the back of my brain like some sort of bossa nova outtake from 1968 into like some music from mali into some music from the south of spain that is like hip-hop flamenco it's just like stuff that you're like whoa that is really cool i don't know if anyone's liking it but me but hopefully they will (laughs) you know they are it's i don't know that's that's exciting to me like the element i 
I, I literally, I did two interviews yesterday and something that you haven't asked, but many people ask, they're like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, well, it's kind of a pretentious and boring answer, depending on when you talk to me, like right yeah. now, as of like this last week, I'm deep diving into fucking Beethoven because I just am blown away with how good it is and how much yeah. it is to digest. Like, and I'm going nuts about like different versions of different orchestras and different conductors playing the same pieces. And like, it's just, it's remarkable to me. Uh, and there's just so much to learn from it. Yeah. It is funny when Spotify, like this morning is like, Hey, there's a new release. You're going to love. Andre Segovia just dropped a new track. That's He's been awesome. dead for 40 years, but uh, there's some Spanish guitar shit that you're going to need to hear right now. I'm like, you are correct. <laughs> yeah. And some of the stuff, I mean, your tuning is is pretty unique on some of these songs. I mean, there is almost a, a medieval traveling troubadour vibe, like in a Shakespeare play. Some of that was, I got super into this. is another weird phase. I got really into like, Irish guitar players and like started going down this wormhole of like uh, just learning learning tunes and trying to figure out different interesting ways to play tunes on the guitar and so I started fucking around a lot in like open C and then just because something didn't make sense you know I started making little amendments to those tunings and like you know it might have a six in it or maybe the top string is is a whole step down or like just like starting to make things a little weirder so I could voice something that I was working on. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in this weird place now where when I'm playing shows with all these new songs, I'm like, what tuning is this now? This one yeah. has, it's a G major tuning with a minor third on the fourth string. And it also has a six and it just sounds like blah, when you just, play, yeah. like, it just has this like, really weird nothing sound when you play all the strings together but it allows you to voice things in this really particular way you know and like um so yeah i'm, I'm kind of that was a, a fun sort of growth and now in the studio with all the records we're producing i like the joke with my business partner he's always like oh yeah robert's been in here none of the guitars are in a normal tuning they're all fucked up they're yeah. like down to, down to b flat six open or whatever like, right <laughs> we're not out of the woods and may never be If you could collaborate with anyone throughout history, who would it be uh, on, on a duet record? Shit, I don't know. A duet record. I'm, I'm obsessed with Chet Baker. It might be Chet Baker. Mm. Um, I, there's so many people who I would just like to pick their brain for five minutes and mm. just like, talk to about music. And I feel like, like, I don't know what the fuck I'd do with Leonard Bernstein. You know what I mean? Like, Ringer muted. Oh, now it's ringing somewhere else. What the fuck? Oh, I have two phones. Yeah, I'm sorry. I digress. What I was saying is <laughs> I would love to talk to Leonard Bernstein about music. You know, like, yeah. that's something I would deeply love to do. I don't know what, I mean, like, I would be so out of my fucking depth trying to collaborate with anyone. You know what I mean? Like, right. each of us the same answer. Like, I don't know what I would work on with them. Uh, I think more realistically, um, oh, you know, Nelson Riddle. I would love mm. to go back in time and do a record with Nelson Riddle arranging. I think that mm. would be really special. Um, and like, I have a, I do a ton of arranging for production stuff. Um, and I have this book that he wrote on arranging that's really awesome. And some of what I like, I collect music books and just like mm. sheet music and also just books about music, stuff that people wrote, you know, lectures, uh, shit like that. Like I have a ton of it. And one thing that I like about it is that you're kind of communicating like 
back in time with somebody. Like I feel right. like I I know Nelson Riddle in a way from reading the forward to his book on arranging. Like just the yeah. way he talks about the pencils that he prefers to use. Like he used you know, like Blackwing 502s exclusively when he's writing sheet music. And right. like, sure enough, I'm like, go and order a bunch of Blackwing 502s. <laughs> and like, I'm like, they do write better. You're right. They're fantastic pencils. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, it's really cool that stuff is set down and recorded. And like, who knows? I hope that all the hard drives last and that our records you know, live on, probably the vinyl that we're making has a better chance of being found in 10,000 years uh, than mm. some hard drive somewhere, right? I don't know. Um, yeah. But it's cool, the idea that things were written. Uh, I just, I don't know that, you think about like early recordings that we have. There's like, mm you know, like these really weird fucking discs that we've never heard of that were like this ancient recording technology. And yeah. ostensibly there were like a good amount of them out there. And now we have one and it's like halfway broken and it's in some fucking vacuum sealed chamber and it has mm. on it, you know, some super old recording, but we have tons of written material of that song. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's widely available. It's been reprinted and reproduced yeah. thousands of times. Like, and it is something that bears thinking about. Like, what happens when all the albums that we're putting on Spotify and Apple? I mean, like, this is definitely just an era. Of, mm. like, but where is it? Where does it go? Like, what yeah. happens in ten thousand years? Well, think about all the music that was lost. Oh, that yeah. that people probably in Mozart and Beethoven's era who didn't get the acclaim, who yeah. didn't get their music saved. I mean, there's always that story. Like I remember we took a tour of the Globe Theater in London and that the only reason we have Shakespeare's plays is because during a fire, this stagehand grabbed the box with all of like yeah. his leftover scripts. And they're like, well, we better grab it before the place burns down. <laughs> Love it. You know, he, there was just like the local sort of entertainment of the day, you know. And, yeah. and if that's any indication, then like, I don't know, a long time from now, they'll be like, oh, yeah, there was like a couple artists, like for our whole, let's say, uh, I don't know, last 50 years, they'll be like, well, Beyonce, there were like a handful of artists. And they'll, yeah. they'll just remember like, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I don't know. A couple. <laughs> Justin Bieber, Beyonce, Robert yeah. Ellis, and Stevie Wonder. I mean, those are the people we remember. Yeah. But you recorded, you know, on this MGM U47 mic to, you know, an MCI tape machine. It, the, the tape sound is almost a, a, a character in, in this record, Yesterday's News, right? It's the first thing and the last thing we hear. It's this sort of spiritual force throughout the record i personally think it it sounds you know i mean it's cliche but i think it sounds warmer than regular recording but um yeah. did you feel um like there was a, a different essence a different tone by recording this way or was it actually just recording it live without really any uh net to catch you that made it it's sound this way i mean it's all of it i i like tape a lot and we you know, we use it on a number of records. We don't use it on every record because it's not right for everything, you know? Like, yeah. And then that said, we have right now three tape machines in there. Um, we actually started that day when we were making this record on this Ampex um, three-channel tape machine that sounds awesome. But it, it, the noise floor was just a little too high on it that yeah. day and we just were not vibing on it. So what ended up actually happening because we really liked the way the pre sounded on the Ampex. We ran through the Ampex into the MCI. So we used, um, you know, the Ampex basically as a, uh, a pass-through, um, just like using its its transformers or whatever, and then tracked onto the MCI, which usually is a pretty clean-sounding machine. Like, um, it has a little character, but it's like fully operational, well-running machine. That day, for whatever reason, it decided to act a little fucked up. 
and there's a few places on the record where you can hear the tape slightly slowing down and things just getting mm. worse, which is atyp. It's not typical for that machine. But at the end of the session, listening back, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so rad! I'm so glad that happened." You know, like, yeah. And now it's a part of the performance. You know, um, and it was a really wonderful surprise because we didn't track with headphones either, so I didn't mm. know that any of that was happening until going back up in the control room and listening, like replaying the tape and being like, wait a minute, is, is the playback fucked up? And then playing it like three times and be like, no, it just did that. That's how it's recorded. It's fucking awesome. Well, it always amazes me. Like when you listen to classic songs that you've heard a million times, Beatles tracks, you know, like let it be like, there's mistakes in these songs. Right. I mean, there's like a wrong chord that Paul plays in that take but it is the take you know it was that good to the point where we're like well i didn't go to the five there but doesn't matter we'll only be singing it for the next 50 years (laughs) it will it would have been worse if we fixed it (laughs) measure yourself against Now that you uh, have a bar that you are, you know, part proprietor of, do you remember the coolest, weirdest bar you've ever been to in your travels in the world? Like if you could go to one bar before you die, where would that, where would that be? I would probably, I mean, I know immediately because uh, I just was obsessed and it's kind of what we want to do here eventually is like, in, in Japan, in Tokyo, there was this, um, this little bar in Golden Guy, which is, you know, the street with tons of tiny bars. Um, yeah. And there's a bar that was just called Jazz, or at least there was a sign out front that just said Jazz. And, yeah. You know, we walked in. It's tiny. They only have Japanese whiskey. And when we sit down, they put the album sleeve of the record that's being played and when I sat down, it was one of my favorite all-time Bill Evans records. Mm. And there's maybe three other people in there, and just like right in front of me is like not a super popular one either. Like kind yeah. of a weird record. And then I was like, okay, I'm in. And I sat there for as long as I possibly could, like the whole night. And just the bartender would just come over and show you the, the record and you like read the credits mm. and just get hammered on whiskey. And it was like, this is the best concept. Uh, let's let's go out with the, the song Wait. Obviously it can be interpreted in a lot of ways about losing someone or about, again, having to let go maybe of your former self, maybe of your ambition, maybe of a future that you thought you would have. I think during these last three years, we've all had to let go of our previous selves what were you processing when you started laying that one down i know what i think it's about after the fact but in the moment i don't know how much control i really had i think it was just sort of stream of consciousness um you know like it is visually about some someone dying you know and and i had particular things that I was thinking about in that regard, but I don't know where, I don't know. It's kind of like all this beautiful dream of like that last couple days in someone's life. I'm not ready to go home.
right, man. Well, I really, uh, really dig this record. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to see you again. Yeah, man. Are you coming to LA anytime soon? Do you know? I think late summer, late, maybe early okay. fall. I'm not sure. I don't think we have anything confirmed, but I'm working on some stuff. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. 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 Something huge. Fucking you. Headlining. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a White Snake concert, you know, but with just nylon string guitar. Solo acoustic guitar. Miked. <laughs> I mean, McCabe's guitar shop down the street from me would be awesome place I, for this music. I love that place yeah I love that place that's high on the list um I'll keep you posted talk soon thank you alright bye bye There he goes, Mr. Robert Ellis. Uh, Thank you to him for getting on the line from his bar, studio, music venue in Fort Worth. Uh, His website is texaspianoman.com. He's going to be playing some shows promoting that new record, Yesterday's News. Uh, He'll be playing at the Mohawk in Austin uh, Saturday, and then uh, he'll be going to Brooklyn and Denver, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, all over the place. And um, if you want to listen to that 2018 episode, it's pretty wild. Uh, we talk about aliens a lot. Uh, you can go to theshowontheroad.com slash episodes. It's been a bit of a weird month with my group Dust Bowl Revival being off in May, but in June, we are back at it. Uh, we're playing in Duluth, Minnesota on June 8th, playing the 9th at the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis, and then going to my hometown, uh, Evanston Space in Chicago on the 10th, and then the 11th at Collectivo, the back room in Milwaukee. And then we got shows uh, outside Park City in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, near Bozeman, Montana, and up at the Ponderoo Fest in Oregon. Please check that out, dustbowlrevival.com. If you have been listening to this show for a long time, or if you're just making it for the first time, welcome. Uh, you can leave us a kind review. It really helps get the word out and to uh, spread the algorithm far and wide. And you can check out our YouTube channel. has full interviews Uh Iris Dement, Ani DeFranco, all sorts of cool people I talk to on there for hours at a time. And if you are a truly kind-hearted person, you can look for the donate button. It's actually a link on the iTunes page. Red Circle will bring you to a little page where you can throw money into the air and help podcasts like ours keep surviving. As always, the show on the road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Z Lupitan, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. Stay safe, stay creative, and we'll see you on the trail. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.